Welcome to Real Good Company, a show about real people building good companies that make a big impact. We go behind the scenes to get the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you can become a better leader and gain fresh wisdom for both your personal and professional life. I'm your host, Allison Trebridge. And I'm your host, Caitlin Crosby-Benward. And you're in In Real Real Good Good Company. Company. (laughs) (laughs) On today's episode, we are interviewing founder and CEO of Darling Media and editor-in-chief of Darling Magazine, Sarah Doubledam. And she is someone who we both love and admire. And if any of you have ever picked up an issue of Darling Magazine or followed their Instagram, I'm sure you are fans as well of of what she's built. And this was such a fun interview for us because the the subject of it was really around building a relatable brand, which is something Sarah's done so effectively at Darling Magazine. And, And Kaylin, I know that that's always been at the heart of the brands that you've built too. Yeah, I was actually a fan of her magazine before I even met her. And it was really in line with my early days of doing Love Your Flaws and really just the whole body image issue that's that's happening in the world and media and how so many women kind of uh, are up against what the media is putting out there. And thank God she did something about it. Yeah. Um, so I'm very happy to break that down and also give you guys inspiring tips about starting your own movement, uh, about other issues that you guys are passionate about. Yeah, I also loved, I, I never really realized that she, first of all, had the vision for the magazine so many years ago. It was like when she was 22 or 23. Yeah, but it was also, she talked about how just wanting to mentor younger women and kind of saying, where is today's modern mentor? Where are the, the kind of older women who have gone before us in society? And that just so resonated because that was what, when I was 22 and had the vision for writing my book, 22, which I wrote, went down the road when I got a little older, but that was the same, that was, that was what, um, the same questions, I guess I was asking and, and looking for mentors and feeling like there wasn't any mentorship or guidance out there. And I just wished I had had Darling Magazine at that time when I was asking those questions. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a really good interview because it's not something that's just a trend. This magazine has been around for over a decade and um, now building this incredible media company. So I think while so many, you know, social media content creator companies are very kind of, yeah, just here today, gone tomorrow, popular now, but not really in a couple of years, but they've really stood the test of time. So I'm happy for you guys to hear everything that went into building it and her heart behind it to really sustain a company. Yeah. And also how hard it is. I think they're the perfect example of a company you would look at and say, gosh, it must be such a dreamy, wonderful journey Mm -hmm. for for someone like her to build this successful brand. And uh, she has all the scars to show for it. And I love that she opened up a bit about that. Well, without further ado... Can't wait for you guys to hear this episode with our interview of Sarah Doubledan. Dan. 
Sarah Doubledam, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Kaylin, I think she's particularly darling, don't you think? Oh, definitely. definitely. Inside and out. <laughs> the most darling. Uh, this is a really fun one for me and Caitlin because Sarah is one of our dearest friends in the world. So it kind of feels like cheating having her on because it's basically just an excuse to do lunch afterwards, mm-hmm. right? But we also are just totally in love with who Sarah is and the the brand that she's built and the work that she's done and, and the authenticity she does it with. And we, as Caitlin and I were talking about the podcast, Caitlin kept saying, I feel like Sarah is just an embodiment mm-hmm. of what we're wanting to, to represent on, on the show. Yeah. You are the epitome of what our, our podcast is about and the name of our podcast, real good company. You are such a real person and that's what a lot of your brand is about and that is so rare in this day and age to have media companies and magazines um, show realness and that's what you guys kind of are famous for that's what I feel like a lot of people know darling as is you're, you're known as the magazine that doesn't retouch that actually shows real women thank you for existing and then how we're just so real with each other and our friendship and we can be vulnerable and and that um, I'm excited for you to be able to share some business advice and real behind the scenes stories and struggles and you know wins and advice for people that they can take with them to further their careers and lives. Aww, thanks friends. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's always amazed me the most getting to know you is as Caitlin was saying you represent this brand that's all about authenticity and being real and yet you are literally the most down to earth at times hilariously authentic, real person. And you always are like, you know, you're someone who could come across as like everything's perfect and and always put together. And I feel like every time I see you, you're like, ah, here's what's really going on. And that's kind of part of the joy of being your friend. So I would love to jump right in. So even though I know what Darling is and I'm in love with it and I'm a fan, um, explain to our listeners what is Darling and how did you start it? Oh, this is a fun one. It's a fun story. So I was 22 years old, right out of college and living with five girls in a house. I'm sharing a bedroom with my best friend, Kelly. We were sharing makeup, clothes, literally everything. And we just graduated. We had straight A's, had no idea what we were doing with our lives. And we were both working at a restaurant and we just used to drink. What restaurant? What we were what restaurant? Pasta Pomodoro in Ooh. Orange County. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Serving all the pasta, eating all the pasta <laughs> every single night. And we really didn't know what we were going to do. I had a studio art major um, and she was a journalism major and one day we went to our favorite coffee shop because we had nothing to do during the day because we only worked at night and we would order these giant chai lattes. And randomly one day we were having this conversation about women's media and really how terrible it was and how magazines were super unrealistic and photoshopped. Everything was too expensive. We thought the advice was super bad because both of our boyfriends just had broken up with us, too. So we were (laughs) super depressed and anxious and just feeling kind of a little bit like losers. And And Cosmopolitan was like giving you really 10 ways to get your man back. Yeah, totally. It just it seemed like stuff that was so fabricated and not really from anyone's actual life or experience and we were just talking like where's the mentor of our generation where's Mm -hmm. the friend 
voice for women? Where's even the the grandma or the motherly voice telling you how to be and how to grow up and how to deal with hard things that you go through, how to deal with finding your life purpose or dealing with anxiety or depression or, you know, shame or body image issues. And literally in that moment, we said, let's create our own magazine. I didn't realize that it started that long ago. Long time ago when I was literally 22. <laughs> three, three years ago. Oh. I'm 37 now. So it was a long time ago. And then we were just super overwhelmed. But we instantly got home and we started Googling how to start a magazine. No way. And all the advice said start with a mission statement. And so we started by the next couple weeks writing a mission statement that ended up taking us three months to write about our definition of what a modern woman should be and the voice of what we wanted our magazine to say to women. And that's on the mission statement that's currently still the manifesto of our company, the foundation of everything that we do and on the back of all of our magazines. So that was that's good. That's the, the inception. Can you actually read us the mission statement? Because I think it's it's so powerful and it's something where I've gone over to mm-hmm. friends' houses and seen them. They have it printed up, like hanging on the bathroom wall. And I think to create a brand with a mission so strong that people literally want to frame it uh, is is pretty powerful. Sure. Uh, so it starts out and the first line says, Darlene, you are a work of art. You have the ability to fully display beauty apart from vanity, influence apart from manipulation, Style apart from materialism, kindness apart from passivity, strength apart from competition, and dignity without degradation. You are a catalyst to transform the world around you through your wit, wisdom, character, and courage, all the while creating beauty and embodying love. You are not only interesting, but original, not only good enough, but exceptional. And you're not just here, but here for a purpose. Mm. So that was just created based off of saying, what is the balance between, you know, old fashioned 1950s, you know, female housewife to modern feminism. And we felt like we really didn't fit in either of those definitions. And we felt like there was a new wave of feminism or really femininity that needed to happen where it was balancing the, you know, dichotomies of how do you be strong without being manipulative? You know, how do you have dignity or feel sexy without being degraded? You know, Mm, how do you balance beauty with vanity or how do you be influential without, you know, putting other people down? Like, what is that balance of that? And we felt like it existed and we could get people to talk about that. So we wanted to create a platform that promoted those ideas. And tell us a little bit about what, like, how did you go from, so you come up with this mission and you have this big vision And then what did the process look like going from having that vision into actually the first first uh, issue of the magazine coming off the press? What was that journey like? So that was a really long journey that took from (laughs) really about four or five years where we thought the next step is let's get other women together that also believe in this idea. So we just started talking to our, about our idea to literally everyone we meet, you know, we're like, hi, we're Sarah and Kelly and we're starting a magazine. <laughs> People would be like, Oh, great. <laughs> and we would tell them, or we would read our mission statement that we were really proud of. And so many women resonated with it. Like they just saw it. They saw the problem 
in media and how women were being represented and how, you know, models were all skinny and looked the same. There wasn't any size diversity, ethnic diversity, and everything was saying the same thing. And something about it just really clicked. So eventually we had 10 to 15 women meeting in my living room once a week, brainstorming (laughs) topics for, you know, what the magazine would cover. What are the sections? How do we, you know, divide it? So we came up with eight different personas for the magazine that represent eight areas of women's lives. So dreamer, achiever, hostess, confidant, beautician, um, explorer, stylist, and intellectual. So it was like they were the eight personas. Then we started creating content within those. And then we launched a website, um, like a very simple WordPress website and started having these women write articles based off of these topics. And we started doing that as well. So then we had a blog and all these ideas, but didn't really know how to make it into a business. And so at that time we discovered Kickstarter and we ended up making a video. I didn't realize that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of new at the time. And there weren't a lot of female-led companies on there. It was, it was really, really fresh and new. But it was taking off. Like, people were getting funding on there. So we made a, a video of all these different women who looked really different reading lines of the mission statement. And then said what we wanted to do. That we wanted to create this quarterly women's print magazine that you know, celebrated all the things our mission statement was about. So we launched on Kickstarter in 2012 and it ended up being successful within three or four days because Kickstarter featured us on their blog and then they promoted it and said, this is one of the freshest ideas for women. We love this statement. It's really strong. It seems different. And so we were only asking for $15,000, which is hilarious because magazines (laughs) are very expensive to make, I will say. And we ended up getting $19,500. And then we had all this money and we're like, okay, we have to make this first issue of a magazine. How do we make a magazine? (laughs) (laughs) So before we get to all of your success stories and all of your huge brand partnerships with everybody from Nike, no big deal, to Alaska Airlines and Ari, I would love to hear um, some struggles, maybe some failures or something that you have run into in running a business um, and how you have overcome them. Because this podcast is about being real. We don't want this to be another podcast like, oh, tell us all your success stories, um, paint by numbers. So everybody can do the exact same thing. We, we want this to be special so people can get a little peek in uh, to the reality because sometimes it isn't all butterflies and, you know, how it looks perfect on social media. So, yeah, would love you to let us in on some struggles. I'd love to. I love talking about things like this because you look on Instagram or you go and listen to panels and everything just seems perfect. I think sometimes it's hard to reveal the inner workings of your company (laughs) Mm -hmm. or your brain as a founder because you're trying to, you know, make people believe that what you're creating is legit and you're trying to sell them things, (laughs) you know, so you want to be legit. Uh, But for us, especially working in media and magazines, from the start, when we were trying to start this, people were like, why are you trying to start a magazine? Magazines are family and they're tanking. You're not mm-hmm. going to make any money. And that was definitely true for a very mm-hmm. long time. We had Kickstarter. We did our first issue. By issue two, we were already asking our family and our friends <laughs> for money to pay for the printing of issue number two to be able to sell it. you know. And then we finally cobbled that together. Issue three, Anthropology picked up our magazine, you know, 
nationwide. So there's a win. You know, how, how did that feel when that happened? That was amazing. They actually ordered a copy of it. And so my husband was helping me pack orders and he put a label on a box that's an anthropology. And then he asked our intern who printed this label. <laughs> Where did this come from? Why are we sending anthropology a magazine? Why did they order one? She's like, oh, they emailed us and they were inquiring. He's like, forward me that email, please. Oh. I need to talk to them. And they they wanted to order wholesale for all of their stores. And so they were just requesting a sample. And so that was that was a huge win. You know, yeah. so you have these failures and you're trying to call it together and then you have a big one. You're like, okay, like maybe this is going to bring in so much income. We're going to be able to hire 95 people and be Condé Nast, you know, <laughs> and then that's not what happens at all. And <laughs> so from there, we ended up having to go into several different rounds of fundraising, basically eight different rounds with individuals, everything from convertible notes to private loans to angel investors to we did a crowd equity round, which is like Kickstarter, but, you know, raising money where people that invest, get a stake in the company. So I've literally done all different types of fundraising, just hitting all these different milestones where you want to grow, but you need money to grow. And so it's really hard to grow without that. P.S. This is one of the in good company parts of our title right now is that we have had so many of those conversations with this friend group right here about talking about convertible notes and okay, in all of our three different companies represented here. And it's been so helpful to have friendships where you can talk about these challenging subjects with Mm. and to kind of hear, how have you done it? How have you done it? Do you know, do you know somebody that could maybe be interested in in doing that for for my company too? And like kind of sharing resources and advice. And it's so helpful to not just have like investor friends, but to have real friends Mm. that we can get together and talk about our marriages and, you know, parenting toddlers over rosé, but then also talk (laughs) about convertible notes all together. It's like the the best possible friend to have where you can talk totally because it's such together. it's such a reality and mm-hmm. people don't talk about that but so often you just you run out of money you know there's mm-hmm. so many times where I haven't been able to pay myself at all and that's just the reality of founding a business for years wasn't able to pay myself and had to supplement yeah. you know through copywriting or doing all these <laughs> things on the side mm-hmm. you know and just realizing that it's really hard to explain that to 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 just the world or to a team, you know, Mm -hmm. where you, it looks like you have all this money coming in, but then you have monstrous expenses, Mm -hmm. you know, and trying to communicate that without invoking fear in people. It's like, we actually have no money or I'm not taking a paycheck Mm -hmm. or we're going to have to extend this for a couple of weeks because Mm -hmm. we're waiting for this partnership to come in. And I'm sorry, we can't make payroll. You know, there's realistic things that happen all the time or there's crashes in your industry. Like, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about about even just how do you deal with this? I guess you could almost say it's like a disconnect when because darling is it looks like this. It's just been this rocket ship going up and it's like, you know, this amazing national magazine coming out and this massive social platform and millions of people tagging it. And and so from the outside, it's this appearance of of a great success, but from the inside, exactly as you're saying, it's like, you know, the bills get huge and you're trying to raise money and you're trying to, how do you, how do you as a founder reconcile those two things when everyone on the outside is clapping saying, wow, it must be so easy and fun for you having this big successful thing. And (laughs) and meanwhile, you're like losing sleep at night. 
Yeah, that's that's really hard because you're happy that your brand is connecting and it's growing. But then on the inside, there's the reality of business and looking at how does this business make money? Are we making more than we're spending? That's the question of every small business, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times you have to invest all this money up front in order to grow the thing, to sell the thing, to make the money and trying to balance that in a way where also you have such a heavy workload. And so you hire people, but then, you know, you staff up to be able to, you know, service something that you just landed. And then all of a sudden there isn't any more work, you know, so you're always trying to balance like the, (laughs) you know, the financial sheets and looking at that. And it's just really hard because you don't want to talk about that stuff all the time to the public or be like, whoa, is me because that's the reality of of business. But it does get really hard at times, you know, but then you get to a place where you do figure out a good model, you know, and that's always the goal of every small business is how are you creating a small little engine that you can keep growing, you know, that isn't constantly needing to be fed more and more money. So that's always been our question with media because it's a constantly changing landscape all the time between Facebook and digital and print. And it's been really tumultuous always over the last few years. So I've definitely experienced that. Yeah. Talk to us for a second too, about how you've navigated that because media in general went through a massive shift just around how advertising changed a few years ago. Right. So magazines used to be the main vehicle for advertisers, you know, print magazines, full page, full spread (laughs) advertising. And then you know, with the rise of Instagram and influencers, brands started wanting people, you know, personal personalities to represent their brands and wear their product and show people that follow them how they're using it. And so, you know, advertisers went to influencers and to Facebook and to Instagram and to all these other platforms in order to get the word out. And so print magazines started losing a lot of funding. So we've seen so many magazines closed down, hundreds of magazines in the last few years, especially in 2018. And that was the time that really hit us really hard too, is, you know, just realizing like everything's crashing. Even a lot of the digital companies were laying Mm -hmm. off a hundred people in a day. Just like, this is not working. We're not able to just sustain this because people aren't paying for content anymore. People used to pay for content, but now content's free. Content's everywhere. So Mm -hmm. they don't understand why would I have to pay to read something. Why would there be a paywall on this? You know, but we see a lot of digital companies starting to do that to be like, we have to pay writers. We have to pay illustrators. We have to pay photographers. Like content is not free. And so Mm -hmm. that's a really hard thing to understand, you know, as a consumer myself, like I find myself clicking away from things I have to pay for, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all do it naturally, but as a content creator and wanting to honor the people that are contributing to my brand, that's been really difficult too to tell people, I'm sorry, we can't pay you to do this. You know, it's like, it's very frustrating to be in that spot as a person who curates content and people's voices. So that's been a hard change. And we've been constantly trying to figure out how do we do that? How do we create less that's higher quality, you know, so that it's not, you know, sinking the ship. (laughs) So in the midst of some of those challenges, what are some success stories and some deals and how did you land them in the midst of everything you just talked about? Yeah, so we've really been, you know, thinking a lot about really the future of of advertising and how are we helping brands tell authentic stories because we're really 
authentic brand ourselves mm-hmm. and genuinely wanting to do that, you know, mm-hmm. not just to like bring in advertising dollars because I need them, but thinking what does good storytelling look mm-hmm. like and how are we bringing real authenticity to even some of these big brands. So, you know, over the last few years, um, as you mentioned, done some deals with Aerie, Alaska Airlines and, and Nike, really helping them create content, anything from print to digital Instagram content and video um, for all three of them. So looking at more, those Nike commercials, videos, oh, we are so powerful. Thank you. How can people find them and Google them? Uh, on our Instagram. Okay. There's a there's cool. a link tree where you can see that or on our YouTube, Darling Magazine YouTube. So really looking at how do we create a 360 partnership that has a lot of different touch points to where people are consuming content. You know, they're on YouTube, they're on Instagram, they're on blogs, you know, they're picking up print um, here and there. So we really created these packages that help the brand storytell in a lot of different ways over really like, you know, half a year to a year. So they're really getting introduced to our audience and we're creating the content in an authentic way that people are used to in a similar voice and saying, we love these brands, like those three mm-hmm. brands, I actually really, really love and mm-hmm. actually support and buy their products mm-hmm. and fly Alaska Airlines all yeah. the time. Like I actually love them and I've come to love the people that that work for them. And it's really fun when you have more of that personal relationship. You have to care about your partners and really care about how am I serving these deals and these mm-hmm. brands that I'm working with, not just what am I taking from mm-hmm. them financially, but how am I actually helping them succeed and storytell through our area of expertise has been really fun. So those were great deals to do. And we're still finishing up some of those, those partnerships and always um, have more in the works. So it's exciting. One of the things that I think worse, Caitlin and I are so impressed by with what you've done with Darling is the way that you've built a brand through a community. And I think that's one of the both the hardest and the most high impact things that you can do where you as a company actually stand for something so much bigger than yourself, but then you invite participation from the people who are your, your fans or your consumers or your, your partners. Can you tell us and, and our listeners a little bit, just kind of guidance on how you were able to do that and advice you'd give to someone else trying to build a community around a brand? Sure. First, I think it's all about defining your mission and really making sure that your company is looking to help people, uh, encourage them and be a positive light to them. Like really, how do you create a company that is doing that. If you're, if you can't answer those questions, you know, how's my company actually helping the world? I mean, there's a lot of different types of companies, you know, not content companies telling, you know, tear jerking stories, but with any company, I really think you can infuse meaning. Even, even like a plumber is serving people, right? It's not, it doesn't need to necessarily be, you know, the, the traditional social impact. I think there's, there's avenues for impact across the board. Right. It's everything from what is your messaging to your customer service? How are you interacting with people? What's your posture and your attitude in the marketplace towards your other competitors? How do you speak about them publicly, privately within your team? Like it's all a mentality. And so being able to really establish that is the number one thing, because then people 
can sniff out that authenticity, especially these days. And then when you're trying to build a community around your brand like us, we're like, here's our heartbeat. Here's what we're about. Do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to write for us? Do you want to photograph for us? Do you want to write a poem for us? Do you want to illustrate something? Do you want to create a video? Do you want to be an editor? Here's the mission. Here's what we're about. Here's what we're all about. And we're trying to do this for the world. And being able to explain that up front and making people feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves and they're contributing to something that's serving other people. You know, we have so many people that have full-time jobs, but they write articles on the <laughs> side for Darling because mm-hmm. it's something they're passionate about. Like, I feel like by telling my story of what I went through, I'm helping another woman and that is really meaningful to them. So really looking to how are you, how are you serving people? How are you giving them an opportunity to be involved in what you're doing in a really meaningful way where you don't feel like you're just taking from them, but it's like, we're all doing this together for the good of humanity. Mm -hmm. I was not planning on asking this question, but is there a topic in all of your articles and content and dealing with so many women and listening to so many women's stories that you feel is a serious struggle in this day and age or in this generation, like it, whether it's, it's anxiety or depression or severe insecurity, like, you know, is there something that you're kind of seeing in the, in the last couple of years that is, is like, I don't want to say trending, like unfortunately <laughs> right. trending that you're seeing in this generation for women? Definitely. It's anxiety and loneliness. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that statistically people are dealing with the most, especially girls under the age of 12. Studies have shown that just a huge spike in anxiety and a lot of people are pointing at social media and disconnect of, you know, human to human connection, which is why we're really pressing into our live events this year. Mm -hmm. We're going to be offering a lot of events for women to connect in person around our mission, you know, not just sitting on your phone and reading and taking Mm -hmm. in content, just, Mm -hmm. you know, so much content that you're taking in and comparing Mm -hmm. yourself to other people's lives and just feeling lonelier and lonelier and feeling like other people aren't lonely when everybody's lonely. (laughs) So that's really been a huge thing that we're trying to lean into. Oh, your darling dinners, that, that is so, so powerful. I've been to, I think two or three And I love how you guys ask questions to different parts of the table. And then it kind of creates um, really meaningful conversations. And it's so powerful to, um, yeah, have all everyone talking about these subjects feel not alone with the way that you ask the questions and bring women together. So you guys definitely check out Darling Dinners. As you're talking, Sarah, one of the things I kept thinking about is how comparison culture has driven so much of this the anxiety, loneliness, sense of separation and and how in so many ways, like you guys as a brand are trying to fight comparison culture by creating a more authentic uh, view of of what it means to to be a woman today. But I'm wondering, as we're talking, how do you as a CEO and founder deal with comparison culture? Because I think even as you know, going beyond the normal pressures that are just exist in women for society for any business leader, male or female. I think there's so much comparison culture around. We look at each other and feel like everyone else is doing better than us. And how do you, yeah, how do you deal with that personally? That's hard because I think for me, the people I compare myself to the most are other 
female founders and businesses, you know, and there's all these articles that come out of this woman's doing $20 million a year in revenue. And then you start looking, oh, well, like how much, how much am I making and how fast did her company grow versus, versus mine? And so it's just everywhere, no matter what you're comparing yourself to. But I think something that does help me is like we said, looking at the inside of my company and the struggles that I've been through and saying, there's no way that they're not also experiencing those. That's just, again, an external veneer of what's going on. But if I were to, you know, call that person and have coffee with them, be like, what's really going on? They would say, Oh, we did that much in revenue, but here's our overhead. (laughs) You know, so it's like, you just, you know, you don't even know actually what's happening. And so that's something that really helps me is just always thinking about, Social media is just this tiny snapshot of time. And when I start to do that, just stopping and saying, no, there's a real story. Everyone has struggles just like me and some other Mm -hmm. time, whether it's not today, it'll be tomorrow or it was yesterday. And I just really need to stay in my own lane and keep focusing on what my mission is and just being grateful, like looking at the people that you have impacted and we live in such a culture of more, 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 more followers, more money, more success, more, all these things. And that's where we lose people. And that's even where things like loneliness kick in because it's just never enough, you know? And so realizing even if I impacted five women today, or even if 500 people visited my website versus 10 million today, that's 500 people. Like I like to think of it in terms mm-hmm. of filling stadiums sometimes. <laughs> where I'm like, we have X amount of followers that fills the whole USC stadium of people, yeah. you know, and is that not enough for me? Yeah. You know, like yeah. that idea of, man, like just looking at even if it is just one life that you're impacting, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And so that that helps me to really just be thankful and focus on people over progress and numbers and all of that. That's what I have to go back to when I get in that mode. (laughs) So my last question for you is, do you have any starting a movement advice or starting a business advice? Any tips? Sure. I think if you're, if you're trying to build a brand, I go back to again, what is your mission? How are you serving people? You know, how is it also fulfilling your life, but how is it also selfless in a sense and really created for others and how does that manifest itself? So that's the first thing. And then the next thing is just really being, you know, a buzzword is being authentic, but I like to say relatable now Mm -hmm. instead of authenticity, because how is it actually relating to people and their lives from everything from your branding to the conversations you're having on social media to your emails. Like think of how you talk to your friends. We always said darling is like the voice of a friend and we want to talk to our customers or the people involved in that way. I'm not trying to appear like important or corporate or Mm -hmm. successful to people, but just being really relatable and really bringing it down to that down to earth grassroots feeling for people like how are they going to want to be a part of it how are they going to want to get involved Um, so just asking yourself those questions and a lot of times it's simpler than you actually think like for me I'm like what what new products do do people want you know and I ask myself what do I want like what Mm -hmm. am I using like when I'm getting in the morning like just really going simple Mm -hmm. to asking yourself what you do and what do you want to buy and you know how that it's just sometimes it's just so much simpler than you think And then as far as building 
community, just telling every single person, you know, what you're trying to build, like every single person that you meet, because you never know how they might be able to help you or who they're going to introduce you to. That was just always my method. And it's still my method. And it's amazing how just getting out and talking to people, especially when you feel discouraged is just so important for building something. So good. Sarah, any books you've read recently that that have really impacted you? Yeah, I would say I do. I love reading fluffy books, just stories that I don't feel like while I'm reading them, I'm editing them in my head, you know, where they're just a fun, like, where'd you go? Bernadette is one of my favorite stories that was just made into a movie. Um, But I also read a lot of Seth Godin um, working on his book, This Is Marketing. Mm. And just, I think he's a genius with the way that he thinks about building um, people around your brands and marketing. He's really short and succinct with the way he teaches. And I really, really appreciate the things he has to say. Mm, Love it. Amazing. Thank you, Sarah. We love you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Thank you guys for joining this episode of Real Good Company, a show about real people building good companies that make a big impact. Music from this episode is probably from one of Caitlin's old demos. <laughs> Megan Schwindling was our producer. And thank you guys so much for joining. And always remember to stay in real, real good, good company. company.